3: For Rush Hour with Danny Burke, presented by Bette Rivers.
4: Good evening. I am not Danny Burke. I have been pushing for that production to get changed. Yes, I'm only here for the week, but that's fine. I'm a star. Jonathan Vontobel filling in for this week. Tomorrow's last day already. Doesn't it fly by when you're having a fun time? Good show on tap today. Josh Applebaum is going to be with us just a couple minutes from now. Applesauce, our sports betting reporter for v of course, going to go over everything. Got some preseason to go over with Josh, some line moves there. We also have a a little bit of Major League Baseball. Quite a few day games today. Not an insanely deep slate either. Only a couple of late games to get through too. So Josh will have the skinny on that. And then Mark Long, as we continue to roll through some individual team previews, Mark covers the Jags and actually the Florida Gators for the Associated Press. So we'll get the thoughts on a Jacksonville Jaguars team who very quietly is getting some support to be a dark horse in the AFC South, given the injury, of course, to Carson Wentz. Uh, Nobody looking out for my guy, Jacob Eason, though. Uh, They're not ready for it. But we'll get to that. At the bottom of the hour, Uh, let's talk a little Major League Baseball. Mentioned that there were day games, but there are are some games that are set to get started here in the next couple of minutes or so. So let's take a look at one of the hottest teams in baseball and now a second-place team in their respective division, the New York Yankees. We'll get started against the Minnesota Twins in a few minutes. John Gant will get the start. He will oppose Jamison Tyon. The Yankees, absolutely red hot. Six straight wins for the Pinstripe. Seven of eight as well. New York not only in control of that wild card, uh, but just now a game ahead of the Oakland Athletics for the first wild card spot. So it's been quite the week for the New York Yankees, and this is a good opportunity to keep it rolling. Not only are they a $2.35 favorite here against the Minnesota Twins, but Jamison Tyon, who gets the start, has been absolute money for Yankee bettors uh, as of late. New York has won six straight Tyon starts. They are 9-1 in his last 10 outings, and if you look at his last 10 outings, some really solid numbers for Tyon, a two twenty-five ERA, but... If you look at a little bit deeper, there are some signs that maybe Tyon has something coming for him. Question is, can this twins team actually do it? Four sixty eight, expect a fielding independent over those ten starts in which the Yankees are nine and one with Tyon on the Hill. And, you know, look, he's given up a ton of fly balls, getting relatively lucky on those balls in play with 225 batting average on balls in play against him at this point. Might be in danger against a potent lineup or a lineup that is swinging the ball pretty, uh, swinging the bat pretty well. And Minnesota has been playing some really good baseball as of late. For those who have stopped paying attention to the Twins, they're 7-3 in their last 10 games. They've won four consecutive series. Think about that. And it's not against nobody. Of those series, three of them, it was Houston, the Chicago White Sox, and the Tampa Bay Rays. So this Minnesota Twins team has been playing some really, really solid ball at this point right now. But Gant making his first start from Minnesota after appearing primarily out of the bullpen. And the big question with Gant is, are the command issues fixed? Gant was one of those guys that made you pull your hair out at the beginning of the year when he was at St. Louis. The command was absolutely atrocious. And yet, he was getting out of little situations left and right. Absolutely Ridiculous what he was getting away with. It was potentially murder as a pitcher that Gant was getting away with. Now he goes to Minnesota, primarily uses a bullpen option, it seems the command has been fixed, but those are over short sample size outings, right? One inning at the most. We'll see if stretched out over three, four innings, that Gantt is going to have that command again. Miami and Cincinnati also going to go out in a couple of minutes as well. Zach Thompson, Luis Castillo, uh, a very, very inexcusable series loss to the Chicago Cubs for the Cincinnati Reds, which they're coming off. About scored nine to two in the last two games. Castillo back to his uneven ways here. You saw an opener of 240. We're looking at minus 335 right now for Cincinnati. Total of nine sh- Pretty much shaded to the over. It looks like minus 110 over at Bet Rivers. This has been quite the move on the total, which opened up seven and a half earlier today. But look, Castillo, if you go back, knocked around for eight run runs by Cleveland on August 9th. Gave up three over six and two thirds last time out against Philly. He has some positive regression coming. 451 ERA, 385 expected fielding independent. And we saw it in those June and July starts for Castillo. It's perfectly plausible that he can do this here again in Miami. But the difference, you know, when you're coming off of a sweep on the hands of Atlanta, the Miami Marlins are, and it wasn't pretty. So even Castillo could probably be a little uneven and the Marlins are in such a bad spot right now that maybe it's not going to make a difference. The Marlins route scored 25-11 to in their three games against the Braves. Nine of those runs came in the finale that they scored, by the way. And Thompson, who's getting the start, he is due for a beatdown, it seems. 291 ERA, but a 446, expected fielding independent. He's got some really poor command, walking about three and a half guys every nine innings, and doesn't strike out a lot. Again, going back to that balance between strikeouts and walks, pitches the contact a bit, and he's been getting some good luck on balls in play as well. So uh, we'll get some news, by the way, in the National Football League. Uh, Carl Lawson, it looks like, for the New York Jets, has torn his Achilles, but we're going to have to expand on that maybe a little bit more and a little bit Josh, too. Uh, Josh Abelbaum is going to be with us because that's a massive loss for the New York Jets and a Jets team who we were just talking about the other day that I think has some really high variance in terms of where they could be this year. It is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Jonathan Montobel filling in for Danny Burke here today. Uh, for those who are just joining us and who haven't seen the news, wanted to update really quickly before we get to our guy, Josh Appelbaum, uh, that the New York Jets have indeed lost Carl Lawson for the rest of the year. Uh, he has ruptured his Achilles. Their biggest free agent signing in the offseason is going to miss this season. Happened in a red zone period during joint practice between the Jets and the Packers, and it looks like this is uh, this is pretty big, man, because if you're talking about the New York Jets and what – This team is, I think we know is going to be really good at. It's going to be that front seven. It's a team that finished eighth in terms of run defense efficiency, according to Football Outsiders. And it is a team that I think you could feasibly see win seven games if Zach Wilson pans out as a rookie quarterback good skill position pieces, good defensive pieces up front, but Carl Lawson figured to be a really big piece of that, and now he's going to be done for the year. So you see the odds there. Look, it's not going to shift a lot. If anything, Super Bowl odds 150-1, to AFC 66-1, to AFC East 25-1, to and then to make the postseason, we're talking about a plus 440 price tag, but this is no question a massive loss for this Jets team, and a massive loss for anybody out there who isn't over on the New York Jets win total, because this figures to be a team that's going to be relatively competitive. Robert Sala misses, or loses, one of the biggest pieces that the Jets added in this offseason. So with that, let's welcome in Josh Applebaum, who is, oh, okay, we're going to get Josh. Man, sorry, I jumped the gun there. I was so excited. Well, then let's expand on this a little bit then, because as we look at what is going to happen here with this front seven, with the New York Jets, you know, one of the things that I talked about when we previewed the AFC East the other day uh, was what this team could potentially be. And yes, a lot of it rides on the arm of a rookie quarterback that doesn't have a lot behind him. But this Jets team, their pass rush was going to be better this year. This front seven was going to be just as good defensively. And one piece missing is not going to destroy and tank a team's hopes here. But think about the division in which they are in, which has some potentially really good offenses outside of the Buffalo Bills. So Lawson's a pretty massive loss. And we'll see uh, what the Jets can do from here. But it is worth noting, too, defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins and wide receiver Denzel Mims also injured today. But their injuries are considered minor. Both players are day-to-day, according to the New York Jets. So uh, let's go and welcome in Josh Apple. I'm V-SIN's betting reporter, host, of course, of the Market Insights podcast. And Josh, it's good to talk to you, bud. So uh, let's start with a little NFL preseason because we were just talking about this. And you actually, you wanted to talk a little bit about the New York Jets. So we were just talking Lawson, uh, done for the year with a ruptured Achilles. Uh, the Jets do have a preseason game on tap this week. Um, what are we looking at in terms of the market moves thus far for the New York Jets in their matchup here against the Green Bay Packers? Because I figured that the Jets would probably be a relatively strong preseason team, given the fact that they seem to extend the leash for Wilson. And we've heard Salah say as much in terms of how much he's going to play in this first half.
5: Yeah, you're exactly right, JBT. And by the way, it's great to be with you here tonight. And it's, You know, my first thought is that under six win total with the Jets, minus 120. This is a team that obviously, you know, barely wins two games last year. Yes, you're a little excited about Robert Salah and drafting Zach Wilson. But again, kind of a tough AFC East. You have to play the Patriots, uh, the Dolphins here, and the Bills, obviously. And making a massive leap, you know, going from two wins to cashing an over six and getting seven seems a little rough for me. You know, if you can find a even a six and a half now really juiced up under, kind of a tough schedule. That's my first thought overall with these injuries. But JVT, in terms of this game coming up here, 425, this, uh, this Saturday game, to me, I actually like betting on the Jets. You know, one thing we talk about a lot when we're betting NFL preseason is that Sharps love preseason. You know, it's, I think there's a, uh, you know, kind of a, a debate out there saying whether or not you should bet preseason. You have a lot of people say, don't touch it. It's too unpredictable. They're not trying to win. They just trying to, you know, get through the game and not get injured. But Wise guys love betting at JVT, as you know, because it's an information-based game. And here's where it really comes into play. If you are glued to Twitter and you're looking at what the coaches are saying, they're telling you what they're going to do. They're not going to do this in the regular season. It's all gamesmanship. But preseason, they're really happy to tell you exactly what their game plan is. So there was a tweet that came out uh, earlier this morning from Rob Demorski, who uh, covers the Packers here. And, quote, uh, Matt LaFleur said it's unlikely that Jordan Love's shoulder will play on Saturday versus the Jets, meaning Kurt Benkert will start. Jake Dolagala re-signed yesterday will be the only other quarterback available. So what does that tell you, JVT? Uh, No Jordan Love, no Aaron Rodgers. And we've seen a really sharp dog-to-favorite line move to the Jets here. They open up getting plus two and a half on the road at green Bay. Now they've flipped to minus two and a half. So this is a team that almost in the same exact spot that week one preseason game against the giants going from a mm-hmm. uh, plus two dog to a minus two favorite. You're seeing the same thing happen here, JVT. Uh Now that you're down to all, you know, all, almost all your, your top quarterbacks here gone for the green Bay Packers. They had love last week and still lost 26 to seven as a two point dog here. So uh, I like this move toward the jets. Uh, you see the situations here, a line move on a team that missed the playoffs. Versus a team that made its 55% ATS the last decade. Also, we could be in for a very low scoring game here. JBT opened 34 down to uh, 31 and a half. And just a couple hours ago, it was at 32 and a half. So a lot of movement to the Jets, a lot of movement to this under. And it really just goes to show you, if you can hop on these numbers and take advantage of this information game before the odds makers can adjust, to me, the Jets are a sharp play, but uh, definitely bullish on that under six or six and a half win total for the regular season.
4: So, Josh, I'll ask you a question, and maybe you have the information in front of you or not, but, you know, just observationally, it does seem that just this year alone, right, we had a couple of those dog-to-favorite moves in the week in week one, right? Uh, but some of them didn't pan out, namely those Friday games, right? We saw some really big swings in the other direction, but ultimately doesn't pan out. Uh, as we're looking at this right now, you mentioned that the dog-to-favorite role uh, switching in the preseason has been pretty profitable. This year in the, in the first week, how did it do? Because it seemed like there were a couple of big moves that didn't go in the market's direction.
5: Yeah, so I think the big one, JBT, that you're talking about was the Jacksonville Jaguars because yep. they were a, a huge dog to fade move that did not come through and obviously uh, didn't even come close there. But you did have a couple that came up uh, pretty big. You know, the first one that comes to mind is the Denver Broncos. That was another information-based bet where we we heard uh, you know you know tweets coming out that a lot of the main players on the uh, on the on the uh, Vikings will not play. What's funny, JBT uh, is if you look at this next game, your Colts. I know you're a Colts guy. Uh, there's a big move to the Minnesota Vikings. Colts going from that game was a pick'em. Now it's minus two, minus two and a half. Vikings looks like it's around two, basically. But we do know Zimmer, one of the best ATS coaches, uh, right up there with Gruden, with Harbaugh, uh, with Pete Carroll, and maybe trying to uh, play more starters to get kind of get back in the groove there with Minnesota here. But to your point, JBT, the other one was um, you know the Patriots there in that game uh, against the football team. They were plus two to minus two. You also had the Jets in that same spot against the Giants two to two and a half around there. So you're right. It's not going to come through every time, but uh, when these lines are so tight, you really don't see any spread, you know, much more than a three pretty much, uh, especially an information based bet where maybe you have a lot of guys out. I like to go money line in those spots, JVT, like for for example, with the jets, if you're going to go with that move and you're laying a two and a half, now you're getting the worst of the number. You would hate to see them win by two, win by one and you lose because you laid the worst of it. To me, I'm willing to pay a little more juice on the money line just to win the game. And again, really, these moves are the ones that I look out for, but you're totally right. Not everyone is going to come through. Yeah, kind
4: of surprised by the uh, the Vikings move that you're talking about, but it uh, seems... Uh, that Eason and Ellinger, again, are going to get some long run here, and that there's uh, somewhat of a quarterback competition, although it looks like Easton has started to extend his lead over Ellinger, but still two quality quarterbacks for Indianapolis that might get some extended time. All right, let's move on to a couple of other games you got here on the board. Uh, let's go to your Patriots taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what is the read? Because we saw this is another flip, right? New England opened as high as two. Now we're looking at the Eagles as a one-and-a-half-point favorite.
5: Yeah, we're uh, we're right up this alley here, dog to favorite. Same thing here with uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles here, JBT. So what we've seen is you know the Patriots open this game. Uh, I think they're like minus one and a half, minus two at some shops. Mm-hmm. Remember they're coming off that uh, that win. You really needed uh, you know a, a denied two point conversion by the refs and then a late run TD run there to cash that early uh, Week One game against Washington, 22 to 13. Whereas Philly uh, lost that 24 16 early, minus one. So uh, I kind of like this buy low, sell high in terms of. You know, Patriots are coming off a win. Phillies are uh, Philadelphia um, Eagles are coming off a loss. Also, JVT, the variable of these teams have had joint practices all week. And I've been, you know, watching, uh, you know, and and listening to talk radio and dialed into uh, Boston sports, just talk in general. And really, what you're hearing is the. The Eagles have manhandled the Patriots. The Patriots have been getting injured. Uh, A lot of these reps they've been doing, the Eagles have been outperforming them uh, pretty much uh, pretty handily. Uh, And really what you're seeing is another big flip here to the Eagles. Again, Patriots are the popular play. It's the only game in town. People want to sweat a football game here on a Thursday night. Patriots are getting about two-thirds of bets, yet this line has gone completely over to the Eagles, going from plus one and a half, plus two, all the way to minus one right now. Uh, this would match a couple systems. Uh, both teams missed the playoffs, take the line move. That's about 58% uh, the last decade here. So JVT, big move to the Eagles. Again, it becomes a money line play for me if you want to go with that dog-to-fave move. And what I'm looking at, too, is the under. You know, it did tick up a little bit. Some shops were 37.5, up to around 38.5. Uh, I even see a 39 out there. So maybe, you know, the question is, will this this week two become kind of the week three where we're used to week three bring uh being really the the dress rehearsal do we see more starters played do we see more mac jones uh more cam newton here in this qb battle cam's still a minus 350 favorite and our buddy michael lombardi who was hanging out with belichick uh had some comments after talking about uh you know if you're going to plant the crops let them grow don't get them too early that was kind of reading the tea leaf maybe that cam is going to be expected to be that week one starter but jvt i am still looking at the under We do see lower scoring, um, you know, preseason games in general. The under is 14 and three in the preseason. And when you have a total of 37 or higher going back since 2014, that high 37 uh, or higher under is now 61%. So definitely late money and move to the Eagles. And again, line's been ticking up a bit on the total, but if you want to play that under trend, you do have a high total under to sweat tonight.
4: All right. Third one on the board in the preseason to give us an update here, Tennessee, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay opens up as about a two and a half point favorite depending on where you shop. The total is seeing a move here too because now we're looking at Bucks minus one with a total of 35. So, market moving toward the dog and the under here.
5: Yeah, you're exactly right, JBT. Another information based bet. So this is a tweet from Adam Schefter that came out yesterday. Uh, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid on how much he'll play his starters Friday night. Quote, we'll go a half somewhere thereabout with the starters, and then the twos and threes will take the second half. So, um, obviously, looking at, at this spot here, um, or sorry, that was the Chiefs one. That was actually another move. But um, I was talking to actually Bruce Arians. He actually mm. said he's not going to play any of his starters in this game, JBT. So, this open, what you said, two and a half, three to Tampa Bay, it's all the way down to one. You've seen the system here with Tennessee, who's one and oh, and crushed Atlanta 23 to three in that first spot there. Uh, preseason dogs with a line move in their favor. 59% since 2014, and again, not playing Brady, not playing Godwin or Evans or any of these guys. We've also seen the total drop 37 down to 35. So uh, again, move toward Tennessee, move toward the under. Information-based bet. You would have liked to get, you know, anything closer to a three there. Uh, but my question is, by the time we get to Saturday night, JBT. Do we see Tennessee become a minus one favorite? I'd be looking toward the under and toward Tennessee in that spot. Are there any systems
4: uh, about teams that got into training camp fights with one another during joint practices? Uh, Any trends (laughs) that point in the direction of maybe an under because these two teams are sick of playing against one another? How about that?
5: Great point, JBT. I don't have a number for you. I would say take the over on the referee uh, penalties here tonight because I think they, they know that these teams are feisty and uh, maybe we see a flag fest here with uh, a lot of fights leading into a big game. And by the way, Rams, in, uh, in your neck of the woods, JBT. Rams uh, and the Vegas Raiders. Yep. Big move there to to Vegas, minus three up to seven. When it got to seven, a lot of buyback on the Rams getting seven. Anytime you can get anything six or more in a preseason game, typically you want to buy low on those dogs. That's a big number. You don't really get... To a six or a seven in a preseason game, that's more like a you know 10, 14 point spread in a regular season game. Also, a lot of under money there. We know Sean McVay is going to rest his starters, thirty seven down to thirty five. Uh, but take the over on flags tonight, JBT, with all these with all these uh, scrimmage uh, type situations where they're fight th- where they're fighting each other in the heat.
4: Yeah, for those who did not see it, uh, it looked like there was a pretty big fight, and I think it was Antonio Brown who was throwing punches, and uh, Bruce Arians said that he saw a fly. Uh, On his opponent, he was trying to get it. So we're seeing some physicality during the end of some of these camp brawls. Uh, All right, well, let's switch over to Major League Baseball really quickly then, Josh, because uh, not a deep slate for later in the day, but we do have some games, and one's going to get started actually before we get off the air here. So walk us through Brewers and Cardinals and what you're seeing in the market right now.
5: Yeah, JVT, this is kind of just a no-brainer. It seems like, you know, obviously, uh, you know what we're seeing is a big pitching advantage here for the Brewers, Brew Crew, 74 and 47 this year. St. Louis kind of, you know, kind of still in it, uh 61 and 58 for a wild card spot. Uh but Milwaukee is red hot right now. They got Brandon Woodruff on the bump, 7 and 6, 2.24 ERA. Guy's been uh, in the Cy Young conversation here. Going up against my old friend, John Lester, who was great with the Sox about 10 years ago uh, and with the Cubbies breaking the curse. But long in the tooth, he's got a 5.32 ERA. Uh, Milwaukee's been pretty good against lefties, 14 and 11 this year. And just a big steam move toward Milwaukee, JBT. It's a public play saying, you know, I want to bet against Lester. But I also think wise guys, they don't really, uh, they're not going to say, I'm stubbornly going to take a contrarian spot with St. Louis. It seems like they're on Milwaukee as well. Brewers open minus 175. They're all the up to around almost minus 200 at this point. You do have a couple good system matches looking at uh, 15 cents of steam or more off a win. team that's coming off a win, feeling good about themselves, and getting good market movement in their direction. That's 212 and 139, 60% so far this year. Also, big favorite low total. The uh, the total here is 8. And anytime you're a favorite, minus 175 or more, with a low total of 8 or less, correlative betting suggests that Fewer amount of expected runs scored, more likely they're going to come from the quote-unquote better team. So uh, even though it's chalky, I'd be looking at laying it with the Brew Crew tonight.
4: Hey, Josh, because I know you'll probably have this in front of you, last 90 seconds. Uh, what did you have, if anything, on Dodgers-Mets? Because we've seen quite the move here. We saw an open as high as minus 240. We know it's going to be a bullpen day for the Dodgers, and Tywin Walker's coming off of a pretty good start.
5: Yeah, big move here, JBT. I mean, this has been all around because we were waiting on who would be uh, named as a starter. It's not going to be Corey Kniebel here, which probably is just going to be, you know, an inning or two. Uh, Obviously, the Mets coming off a big win yesterday. You know, a lot of these books that were sitting around minus 200 right now, JBT. You know, some books that I saw open were like minus 160 immediately shot up. Um, so if you want to with the Dodgers, uh, I mean, this would be my bread and butter system here, non-division home favorites. When you don't have to worry about a divisional dog angle, you've are got the home crowd, and you're favored and expected to win, 62% this year, about a 4% ROI. So Walker's been throwing the ball well here, uh, but it looks like the Dodgers uh, continuing to get some movement in their favor, especially in that non-division favorite spot.
4: Josh Happenbaum, again, Beeson betting reporter, host of the Market Insights podcast as well, frequently appears on Lombardi Line too. Josh, good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much.
5: Great seeing you, JBT. Good luck tonight,
4: buddy. You got it, man. Uh, At Josh underscore insights on Twitter. So, yeah, you know, I always find it interesting in the preseason, as Josh was kind of mentioning, right, we get news that uh, starters aren't going to play for certain teams, and we see the market move, but I always found that fascinating considering starters sometimes play, especially long in the tooth starters a la a Tom Brady type, potentially. Um, A series, maybe two, Uh, but that's worth apparently a point and a half to the market. Always find it pretty fascinating when we get that. We also get smoke screens a lot of the time. Uh, we saw Cliff Kingsbury last week actually say that Kyler Murray was going to play, and then all of a sudden we didn't see him out there. We thought that the Vikings starters last week were going to get, quote, minimal time. And sure enough, I mean, I guess it's unfair to assume minimal time means a little bit of time, but sure enough, they really didn't get any. So uh, we'll check back in with the NFL preseason market update a lot. On the other side, though, uh, we got some news and some headlines going on in college football, including maybe a major distraction for Nebraska as they get set to start the season in less than two weeks. Exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the largest offer of live in play options. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting and to make your experience even more rewarding. Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, including instant payouts. And only a one-time playthrough. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at playshakerhouse.com in New Jersey. you got to be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, one 270 7117 Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Got distracted by a number on the board. I'll get to that if I have time here. Uh, but a couple of headlines in college football to go through. Um... Some of relative importance on the field, others not so much. I just think it's pretty fascinating because the tenure for Scott Frost in Nebraska has been not great up to this point. Losing record hasn't been exactly what people thought when he came over from UCF. Um, You know, there are thoughts that Nebraska football should be better than what they have been as of late. And now we get the latest news coming out of college football, uh, which is that, of course, Scott Frost in Nebraska under investigation by the NCAA, um, because it does seem that maybe Scott Frost... And the program moved workouts off campus last year. Uh, other such activities which were banned during the pandemic. Investigation, uh, of course, underway. So we'll see if this is going to happen and anything comes of it. Apparently, there are significant uh, video footage. This is from Brett McMurphy, by the way, the Action Network, who reported this initially. And, again, don't really think much of this in terms of what this means for Nebraska right in two weeks when they take on Illinois. By the way, this one right now, 6.5 in favor of Nebraska with a total of 55. We'll get to the line move in a second. Uh, but it's just right one of those things that, again, is just piling on for a program that is not really where they want it to be since Scott Frost has been there. Now, as for this line, I think the market has gotten this right and moving in this direction. Nebraska actually opened up in some spots as high as a 9.5-point favorite. Total hasn't really budged from 55 and a half to 55 Brett Bielema taken over at Illinois, but this is more about Nebraska and the potential of this team, again, being a little overvalued by the market, laying nearly 10 points on the road against the final line. I, I just don't know what you're getting out of this offense, right? Nebraska, if you look at it from an offensive standpoint, has had issues with turnovers for many years, uh, but Adrian Martinez in this offense under Frost has had a turnover issue, namely Martinez. He's a great athlete. I think uh, I think there was a stat that he led the Power 5 quarterbacks in terms of rushing, uh, but you got to take a little bit off of his plate in that regard. But I think there's still a lot of question marks about this Nebraska team from the offense and the turnover problem that Martinez has, to where dynamic pass rush is going to be coming from for Nebraska as well, and a system which Biluma is going to bring over while it might not be uh, immediately impactful, it's still a system which is going to rely on the running game and that power, you know, that power running style. And maybe keeping Nebraska off the field. All of these things that might work in Illinois' favor. And you don't hate the quarterback position and the depth that Illinois has either. with Brandon Peters and company. So I would really agree with this. And this is more uh, from the past. We've kind of seen that this Nebraska team has been overvalued by the market. Frost has been worth something uh, for some reason. And it hasn't really panned out. But really, this is just a tie into the fact that it looks like Frost is under investigation. We'll see what comes of it. Nothing insanely serious. Uh, but... Nebraska, six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, is going to be the first one that we see of the college football season coming up on the 28th. It's going to be an early start time there. The other headline out of college football, we actually have two bits of news around quarterbacks in college football. First is C.J. Stroud looks like he's going to be the front runner to land the Ohio State quarterback job. Uh, that's pretty interesting for multiple reasons. It's a very deep quarterback position for Ohio State, although largely untested in terms of time on the field. And they're on the road taking on Minnesota, which some spots is as uh, high as 15. Bet Rivers at 15 with a total of 66.5. We've seen this total move up two points from 64.5. Uh, I think there is quite a lot to like about Ohio State. The talent is off of the charts and what they have. But it's also a lot of untested charts, untested uh, talent, right? You can assume that a lot of these five-star guys are going to come in and there's not going to be uh, a beat and missed. But Ohio State and some of these really good teams, Clemson also being one of them, we touched on it the other day, being the few that actually have a lot of turnover because a lot of these guys actually go to the NFL instead of sticking around. So it is interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see what is going to happen with Ohio State and if they do maybe not even take a step back per se, uh, but if there is some of a drop-off at the beginning of the year given the replacement of quarterbacks and just the personnel that they have to replace at this point too. And the last bit of news in terms of quarterbacks. uh, New Mexico has named a starting quarterback. Kentucky transfer Terry Wilson is going to be starting. uh, They're taking on Houston Baptist, so nothing really crazy in terms of uh, line move and market move, but I will say this. I've mentioned this on a couple of broadcasts and I wrote about it in our College Football Guide, which is out right now and you should totally get, but uh, this New Mexico team has a lot going for them. This is a well-coached team under Dana Gonzalez. There's a lot to like about this offense, this defense specifically as well. Went through a lot of adversity last year, but was a cover machine. Remember, this Lobos team actually had to play practice in hotel rooms out here, played neutrals all the time, but they're back at home. Got a lot of returning personnel and it looks like an upgraded quarterback with Terry Wilson who's going to be the guy under center going forward. On the other side, we got one late game in Major League Baseball. Taiwan Walker is he going to be able to keep this up? Because uh, he had a stretch of like six games where he was god awful. hour presented by Bet Rivers, a reminder for all of you out there as the NFL season approaches. The NFL preseason is here, and it's the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. The guide is only 20 bucks. Discounts are available when you buy both the NFL and College Guide. Reserve your copy or sign up for VEASAN All Access. Get everything we offer, which includes God's Football Guide, for the entire football season. Sign up now at slash subscribe. Speaking of the NFL too, Jacksonville Jaguars preview Mark Long is going to be with us. We'll call it 10 minutes for now. Major League Baseball, though, so uh, really deep slate in the morning. We do have two games that are going to get started later today, and then that's it. Uh, deep Friday card, but today relatively short in terms of what we've seen. Kind of note too, by the way, the Philadelphia Phillies, my guys, yeah, you have the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball. You lose again to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but we will not recap that too much. 6-2 to two win for the Arizona Diamondbacks here. Now, I will say, because this ties into our next matchup, that Zach Wheeler got pasted today, the Philadelphia Phillies starter, gave up six earned runs. I mention that because there is a Cy Young contender who is on the hill for the Milwaukee Brewers, and that would be my guy, Brandon Woodruff, who I have a ticket on at 15-1. to Now 10 earned runs over the last two starts for Wheeler, so Woodruff can get things done here if he can put something strong together against the St. Louis Cardinals and a Cardinals team who has picked up steam in the NL Central and in the National League in general. So a $2 money line price tag here on the Milwaukee Brewers, plus 170 on the other side. It is going to be Woodruff opposing one John Lester. Uh, look, Woodruff has been absolutely unbelievable. The model of consistency. The guy is rock solid. Strikeouts Ten and a half every nine innings. The walks, he has pretty much been status quo. The biggest difference for him from this year to last year has been a big difference on the home runs. He gave up just over a home run every nine innings a season ago. He is well under that mark, and his ground ball rate has improved. One of the best ones we have seen of his career, actually the second best ground ball rate of his career since 2018 when he had a ground ball to fly ball ratio of 1.8. So Woodruff has been dynamic, striking guys out, not getting the ball up in the air, not giving up home runs. Uh, He has been a consistent piece for the Milwaukee Brewers. When we look at Lester, look, he's coming off of a solid start. He got to beat up on the Kansas City Royals on the road. He went five and two-thirds, seven hits, giving up only one earned run, only struck out two, though, and this has been the problem for Lester. Never been a dominant strikeout guy to begin with for the most part, uh, but uh, he is not generating any swings and misses. If you just look at just his three starts as a St. Louis Cardinal, he has struck out eight, but only, uh, excuse me, only struck out eight, but walked six over that stretch. He's given up 12 earned runs, as a St. Louis Cardinal. So you can understand the pretty big price tag here. Despite the overall, right, solid appearance for the Cardinals, you see that there, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, Lester is not a guy that seems to be worth backing, despite the fact that he's coming off of a relatively strong start. The other game that will get started, this is the late game, and a very big one for a New York Mets team who got a win yesterday in extras over the San Francisco Giants to snap their losing streak. But think about this stretch for the Mets. They had a series against the Dodgers at home, got beat up there, lost every single one of them, went then to take on the San Francisco Giants, of course, lost two out of three and got that one yesterday, and now get to take on the Dodgers again, this time in Los Angeles. Can't wait to watch it. Oh, wait, uh, can out here. But you get Taiwan Walker against the bullpen for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Mets, who are... Looking for something from this lineup, which is pretty beat up. We'll send out time on Walker. And Walker, this is his second consecutive start against the Dodgers. He pitched six and two-thirds in New York last Saturday, held the Dodgers to two hits, one and run. It was a solo shot, while striking out eight and walking three. It's a really good line for Walker against the Dodgers. Problem with that is that if you look, it was his best start since July 9th. Likely you would think an aberration for him, given the way he has pitched. New York 0-5 in his last five starts. The four outings prior to him shutting down the Dodgers... Well, it was 20 and two-thirds innings of work in those four outings, 784 ERA, a 577. Expect a feeling independent for Walker over those starts. He'd allowed 10 home runs. He had walked seven and only struck out 13. That is a dangerous, dangerous numbers to put up against this lineup who trashed JT Brubaker last night. So this is going to be, I think, a pretty shaky start here for Walker and the Metropolitans. And keep in mind, too, right, while the Dodgers are going with a bullpen game, you know, this Mets lineup, Nolan Door, Baez, right, banged up, too. The offense has been slightly better as of late for the New York Mets. Four and a half runs per game over the last nine, right? So not anything crazy, but still a little bit better from what you've seen. So maybe you could take advantage of the Dodgers' bullpen because not only is it a Johnny Holstaff game, as uh, humans and company affectionately call it, everybody over 50 years old, um, I think it's because if you look at this, the Dodgers bullpen has actually been really taxed over the last week and a half. Like they have been, Dave Roberts has dipped into this bullpen quite a bit, right? Because of course we know what's going on with the starting rotation for the Los Angeles Dodgers. You've needed more arms out of the pen. And so this is, seems like, a really solid opportunity for the Mets potentially. The problem is you're relying on a guy in a walker to perform relatively well, even though he has not as of late and you're relying on a lineup that is missing two key guys and has not been consistently solid. And when you're talking about four and a half runs being the benchmark of, hey, man, we got some hope, it's not really great. So if this starts to maybe move a little bit back in the Dodgers favor, you could see something there. But as we noted with Josh Applebaum early, this has moved quite a bit already. If you look at some of the openers on the market, the Dodgers opened up as high as minus two forty. It's going to come right back down the right. You're talking about that $2 price tag. You see right there at Bet Rivers, some spots well under the dollar 95. So you can understand why the market has moved in the direction that it has. By the way, I don't think I've noted Cory uh, Corey Kniebel is going to start the game here for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, Again, on the surface, looks like a solid opportunity for the Mets, but you're trusting that Tywin Walker is going to be able to perform for the second consecutive time against this lineup, and you're trusting that this Mets lineup is going to be able to do something against a tax bullpen. And uh, This season has told us maybe not the most reliable. So good price tag if you got it. But at this point right now, seems unplayable. I wanted to note one thing too. I mentioned Josh Applebaum, wanted to update something uh, along those lines, because he talked a little bit about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their matchup this weekend in terms of the preseason, because for those who don't know, the Buccaneers, uh, of course, taking on Tennessee, they have joint practices. Uh, we have seen this line move from two and a half to one with a total of 35, which opened up 37. Uh, he mentioned that hey, Bruce Arians had brought up, hey, look, like uh, if it ha- if I have it my way, we're not playing a second of starters uh, week two here against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but it does seem like it looks um, Bruce Arians is willing to let the starter see some time for week three for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll see if that is actually going to happen. As Josh mentioned, we don't know yet in this three-week sample size right now that we only have three preseason games unless you play the Hall of Fame game how teams will approach this, right? It used to be, hey, week three, dress rehearsal, right? We're going to get starters into the third quarter, all of those things. Uh, but at this point right now, this is our first year with three games, so we'll see how some of these teams approach it. It does seem like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are treating week two, uh, almost like week four, where it's like, hey, man, we're not going to let a single one of our guys see the field. But I'm really finding curious that starters who weren't going to have massive, massive... Um, Minutes anyway. I guess we don't track minutes in the NFL. Sorry, I'm only a basketball guy. Uh, but guys who weren't going to play a lot it's uh, still worth it in terms of moving the market there. All right, we'll stick with the National Football League. Mark Long's going to be with us, Jags and Florida Gators reporter, the Associated Press. The Jaguars are a pretty interesting team. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence makes them pretty fascinating, some interesting weapons offensively. But where's the pass rush coming from? What's this defense look like? And what does Urban Meyer look like in his first year as head coach? Mark Long is going to answer those questions when we come back. Get the most out of all the odds with Bet Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only a one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only. you got to be 21 or older if you have a gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Jonathan Von Tubble filling in for Danny Burke. We roll along our individual team previews here on Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, one of the most intriguing teams in the National Football League. You have Trevor Lawrence finally making his way to the NFL, something it seems like we've been waiting for for about five to 10 years. Urban Meyer is going to be head coach now. And Mark Long, who covers the Jags and actually the 40 ers as well, for the Associated Press, it is nice enough to give us some time. So, Mark, thank you very much. And I actually, I wanted to start with Urban Meyer. Um, just overall, what has this first training camp been like with Urban Meyer making this foray into the National Football League? Uh, what have your impressions been of Meyer and how this has gone so far?
6: Yeah, hi, Jonathan. He is different for sure. Um... But you can see where, you know, he's basically coming to the NFL and and for the most part, doing things his way. He's not coming in and trying to fit this cookie cutter mold that uh, everybody before him has done. He's coming in and said, okay, it worked at Bowling Green and it worked at Utah, it worked at Florida, it worked at Ohio State. Everything that he's done has worked at all these different stops, and he's kind of doing the same thing at Florida. Now, you know, with that said, there's you know, there's been some bumps in the road and certainly the preseason opener was one of them. He he was, he basically lamented the fact that you know, his coordinators asked him to be vanilla and wanted to be vanilla, didn't want to show much and and he doesn't like the pace of play being that, you know, that you only get about 60 snaps a game and he so there are a few things. He doesn't like the starters only played two series, so all those things you know, he kind of you know, railed about, but he understands that that's kind of the way it's got to be. Uh, but everything else that he's done from a practice tempo standpoint, there are no veteran days off. Guys don't get off days in Jacksonville, and they practice with a really, really, really quick tempo, getting from one drill to the next. Uh, you know, you've got guys, when they step on the field, they've got to run. they got to be jogging uh, at all times. So you know, he's done some things that would be considered college uh things, I guess. And mm-hmm. certainly some of his motivational tactics. He's had, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Michael Irvin, Lou Holt, Steve Sperner come visit along with some others. And he sometimes he's had speeches as long as we've timed him at close to eight minutes, <laughs> where in the middle of practice he'll bring the team to a knee and then, you know, he's talking to these guys. And so You know, from that standpoint, you know he's trying to do what he's done, and I don't know if it's going to work. To be honest, he's still—he told us last week—and kind of raised some eyebrows that he's still a firm believer that uh, players play for their coach, and coaches coach for their players. And you know, you know, I've been in the—I've been covering the league a long time, and players play for money, and they're playing for their next contract, and they're certainly playing to win. But winning begets. You know, money. So the more you win, the more eyes you get. The more eyes you get, the better, bigger contract you get. And that, you know, that's generally what these guys are doing. So sometimes you get a special unit that's playing for their coach or playing for each other. But uh, my experience has always been these guys are paid professionals, and that's they're punching a clock and they're playing for an unbelievable paycheck. A lot of them, the biggest paycheck they've ever had in their lives. And so uh, that's the motivation. So we'll see. And I think, I do think Urban will adjust uh, at some point if it doesn't go the way he wants it to go. But uh, so far, so good in Jacksonville.
4: So let's talk about the quarterback position. One of the things that Meyer has done has been the whole, "Hey, man, you know, we're not committing to a starter yet." Uh, it's, <laughs> it's probably it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what was your take- yeah. right? So what was your takeaway from his debut? Wright has the uh, the sack, the fumble, uh, but ultimately looks relatively solid. Looks like the guy we kind of expected. Uh, what has been your early impressions of Lawrence? The way that he has handled this offense, and by the way, the pieces around him too, because I think there's some intriguing skill position pieces around. him.
6: Yeah, tre- Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. I don't know, you know, I I don't know if he's going to be, you know, even as good as uh, Andrew Luck when Andrew Luck was a rookie, or certainly uh, certainly uh, the kid in the Chargers last year. Why is his name escaping Justin me? Justin Herbert. But yeah, Justin Herbert, who was fantastic last year, put up great great numbers, or even Joe Burrow before he was injured. I don't know if he's going to quite do that because again, this you know don't put the card before the horses are still a one in 15 team. Now they've significantly upgraded the two most important positions in football, which is head coach and quarterback. So they should be better than that. But you know, I don't know what he's going to do. I know this: there's no competition at quarterback. It's not a competition. Uh, I don't know what they're trying to pull. here. if they're trying to raise the stakes for the, you know, raise the profile of Gardner Minshew to make him tradable. I don't know, but there's something up there or they're just trying to, You know, not hand something to Trevor Lawrence, but this is Trevor Lawrence's job. He'll start Monday night against the Saints. He'll start the season opener at Houston. Uh, You know, everything else is just window dressing at this point. And he's 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 definitely looked the part. He's outperformed Minshew at every you know every step of the way. Minshew hasn't been awful. He hasn't turned the ball over a lot, but it's just the difference is Trevor Lawrence is a big quarterback with a big arm, and he's unafraid to throw the ball downfield. And that's everything Gardner Minshew's not. He's not a big quarterback. He doesn't have a big arm, and he never wants to throw the ball down the field. His, you know, he scrambles, and sometimes that works out, but uh, that's not that's a, a you know it's not a recipe for success, long-term success in this league. And as you pointed out, yeah, Garner, uh, Trevor Lawrence has a much better cast than Gardner Minshew had. It. Uh, Marvin Jones has come in; looks like he's going to be the number one receiver. Philip Dorsett's getting a chance to, re- you know, resurrect his career. Uh, Leviska Chennault led the team in receptions last year is there uh, DJ Chark when he gets healthy he broke a finger on his right hand and probably going to be out for the rest of the preseason, rest of training camp but they hope to have him back for the season opener and then you know Travis Etienne uh, first round draft pick uh, Trevor Lawrence's teammate at Clemson, all time rusher in the ACC but they're going to use him a little bit more of a hybrid guy they want him to be Alvin Kamara, they want him to be Yes, get some first down, second down carries, but primarily uh, he's going to be a threat, you know, out, split out, uh, matchup nightmare for a linebacker or a safety guy with tremendous speed, tremendous wiggle in the open field, and he's a guy I think that's going to really, really change their offense because they have not had a guy like that maybe ever. So uh, certainly all those pieces together give the Jags hope.
4: When you look at the other side of the ball here, one of the storylines that has really stuck out to me has been all of a sudden it seems like the Jags' willingness to move on C.J. Henderson, their first-round pick from a year ago. So what's the status of this defense overall, and what's been going on with Henderson that makes it seem like even teams like the Saints are reaching out to Jacksonville that they'd be willing to part with him so soon?
6: Yeah, here's the thing. I don't know if they can trade him right now. Uh, Trey Herndon, who was locked in, kind of being a – was looking at getting a lot of snaps with the ones. And the first-team guys, well, Trey Herndon has a knee injury, and, you know, it's just a MCL, but you just never know how those things are going to go return-wise. So uh, he's got a sprained knee ligament, and so now C.J. Henderson's working with the ones primarily, opposite uh, Shaquille Griffin, a guy they brought in in free agency. So, you know, they might need him and might not be able to trade him right now given that. But the defense is, you know, the defense as a whole – that's where they made their biggest changes. I mean, you know, you, everybody looks at Garner Minshew and Travis Etienne, but the rest of the draft, they really addressed that defense and free go back to free agency. That's where they spent all their money, was on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, that was – and it was much needed. They were 31st, 32nd in the league in most every stat last year, awful defensively. And so they've changed from a 4-3 to a 3-4, added a bunch of guys up front and several guys in the back end uh, but they did not perform well against Cleveland. They did all; they were not vanilla, and they still didn't get much push against you know, Cleveland's second and third team. So it's a little concerning right now, um, that defense. But, you know, they do have some pieces. Josh Allen's a fantastic player. Caleb on chase on, they think he's going to bounce back from a rough rookie season. We talked about C.J. Henderson, Shaq Griffin. Uh, Rayshawn Jenkins' safety they brought in from L.A., and uh, he really looks the part. And then, you know, they've they booted some guys who don't fit, like Joe Schober, and they're going to roll in some other guys in the middle there, and Shaq uh, Korman, second-year guy, is going to get a chance to play alongside uh, Miles Jack there some. So, uh, But it's all, to me, that defense is going to come up. Can they rush the passer? Yep. And it's really going to come down to Allen and Caleb Von Chason on the outside. Can those guys – Get what they need to do on the outside, and can the middle guys, Roy Robertson, Harrison Harris from Chicago, and then Malcolm Brown, a veteran they picked, they traded for from New Orleans, can those two guys uh, get a little bit of push inside?
4: Mark, a little uh, last sixty seconds with you. Win total six and a half for Jacksonville. What are you expecting?
6: Yeah, I, I would think. I mean, listen, this is a one and fifteen team, so you know and they like i said before they've upgraded significantly upgraded the two most positions in pro football so to me six wins is is the absolute floor for this team i can't imagine that this can be a 3 and thir- 3 and 14 or 4 and 15 team or 4 and 12 team this is 4 and 13 right, the 17 games going to mess me up forever uh-huh. but uh, yeah i just can't imagine this is going to be that that kind of a bad season for them uh, I would think that six, seven, eight, maybe even 9, right in that ballpark, 7, 8, is, is where they'll finish uh, from a win total.
4: Yeah, I like it. And there are a lot of people like like them as dark horses in an AFC South that is a little bit weaker with the loss of Carson Wentz, although Jacob Easton looking to prove people wrong. Mark Long, Jaguars Rider Associated Press. Mark, uh, we're up against it, but thank you very much for the time today. Appreciate it, sir. No problem. Thank you. Have a good night. Yep, you got it. AP Mark Long up on Twitter. Yeah, you know, over six and a half, you could see it, and I think one of the comparisons that's been made, not so much their game, but remember, Andrew Luck, his rookie year, while he wasn't a great quarterback in terms of his statistics, Did lead the Colts to an 11-5 record, and they lost in the first round of the postseason to the Ravens. Like, that's a potential type of season. Not so much 11-6 is what it would be now, uh, but a season which comes out of nowhere, pushing for eight, nine wins. You can see it from a guy like Lawrence. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Good card on tap in the UFC. Maybe we'll look at that. Major League Baseball Day as well on a Friday. It's Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. We'll see you.
3: work.